I mean, you can't be a master of everything because technology is changing so rapidly. Uh, every time you, you know, every Friday or Monday, you get new implementation notes or new cliff notes for the software. You can't be an expert, but you have to, you have to be broad enough that you can at least, at least go this deep, not a mile, but at least this deep to get people on a level playing field. So we aren't experts, but we do provide expertise. And if we don't know the answer, we sure, certainly can call someone. Welcome, everybody, back to another exciting edition of the Undisrupted Podcast. Adam, the state of the library. It's an interesting thing. Here in Texas, I don't know if you've seen the news lately, but they have uh, the state of Texas has taken over Houston ISD. And as part of this initiative, they're actually converting libraries into what they're calling team centers, which are essentially mm. places where, yeah, which you might imagine. It's a place where kids that maybe be struggling in class, discipline issues and stuff, they go to the library. So they're not getting rid of the library itself as a space, but they're changing the use of the library as a space to more of a kind of a detention center of sorts. Thoughts on that or just in general, the state of the libraries? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I imagine you might. Some, yeah, some that I can say on the podcast and some we will have to say for after hours. But, yeah, after podcast, but, yes. Uh, but but uh, yes, behind the music, we have to have that one. <laughs> but here's the thing. There are so many research studies out there that show schools with high functioning library, media centers, learning commons, whatever you want to call it, are also your high achieving with our state test scores. That's state to state, east to west, north to south, across this great United States. That's what the research and data tells us. So instead of trying to restrict access to the libraries, we need to be expanding access and ensuring that students have the resources that they need in those spaces, the books that cover a wide range of topics that they will have access to. That's where we need to be going with all this. We don't need to be restricting access or turning these spaces into these holding cells or land of misfit toys. Yeah. That's not where the, 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 we need to be going with this. But that's just my humble opinion. Yeah. What say you, Hooker? I say I agree with you on that point. I will say this, too. I was doing some digging on the schools that they targeted, especially in Houston, specifically for this article. And it seems to be always the you can imagine which schools they are, right? The low mm -hmm. uh, SES, underachieving, high minority schools. And so now you're telling me that those schools aren't going to have access to a library that other schools in the exact same district will because they're going to use it as a different for a different approach. And so I, I think it's. I mean, I see what they're trying to do in some ways. And I do think the library is changing. I mean, it's going to have to just yeah. kind of as technology continues to evolve. But I don't think taking that away from them is a smart idea. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. I can tell you right now, it's not been very popular. I just saw the Houston mayor write something about it recently. But enough about what we think, Adam, because we have two amazing guests from the great state of Michigan, where I went to middle school and high school for a couple of years uh, before they kicked me out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Parker is the instructional technology and school data consultant for Macomb ISD. And Kate Grunau, Grunau is the instructional technology consultant at the same school district, Macomb. Macomb, is that right? They're nodding. Okay, yeah, good. Macomb ISD, yes. Uh, but also, I should tell you this before they come on and give us their viewpoint. They also are co-authors of a book called Making the Move with Ed Tech, a book that I recently got to check out. Uh, I want to thank them for giving, gifting me that. Uh, an awesome book you guys need to check out when you get a chance. Uh, all right, ladies, uh, what's your thoughts? Libraries, what are we doing with them? Good, bad? I mean, I don't know what's happening there in Michigan, but you know, this is it's kind of interesting what the transition's happening right now. Uh, Jen, we'll take you first on this. It, it, well, it's kind of funny. I, I was a library media specialist for 10 years, and it was a uh, I had a couple of 
uh, examples of some struggles where they would bring in, rather than it being a learning zone at lunchtime, it was a detention zone. Um, and you have to fight that because you want the kids to have this idea of it being a, a great place to go and be and participate. You don't want it to be where they send the bad kids. So I kind of pick up what you guys are, are sharing. And another thing that Kate and I have recently experienced, we've got this fabulous makerspace yeah. in our intermediate school district. And they just recently approached Kate and I about, hey, we want to make that a timeout room. Oh. I forgot about that. It's like, <laughs> really? So bad. Uh, no. <laughs> what part of no? Why would I give you my makerspace for a timeout room? I, I'm still, we're still perplexed about that. So yeah. What would I'll, they? I'll toss <laughs> yeah. What would they make? What would they make in that timeout room if they <laughs> had a makerspace, Kate? I'm not sure. <laughs> they wanted to turn it into like a calming room, which I have seen done before. Yeah. Like the counseling. A blue room. Yeah. About like the VR AR headsets to calm kids. But the idea behind that was they wanted this, like this makerspace. Jen was there for the inception of it. Like it is a work of art. It was very thought out. There's a ton of money dumped into this space. So to just turn it into like the Zen space, it just seemed like a disservice. But uh, back to the library conversation, I thinking about the libraries and the schools that I've worked in, uh, you know, like what Adam said, like the research supports this idea that like where schools have libraries that are in working order that those students perform better. But I think the sad reality of it is that many of these libraries are so outdated, mm. the books and the resources that are in them. Like I, even for the ones that are functioning, like I'm not sure they're really being used the way the library is being intended for use, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, and they're shrinking, like, the budgets are shrinking. Yeah, you know, they're, they're shrinking yeah. the budgets and they're not putting certified staff in there. So they're run by a clerk and, you know, it's 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 the first place to make cuts. Yeah, I'm definitely against though the detention center idea. I don't know. Reading shouldn't be a punishment. The library shouldn't be a punishment, which should be something we're kind of like nurturing for enjoyment. And I think some of that has gotten lost over the years. I did. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I remember as a kid, I, that'd be one of the things I'd look forward to, you know, when you had that time where you'd go to the library, get to pick out your books and, you know, having someone in there to get you help you get the right fit book is it, so important. You mentioned having it, it properly staffed and then the resources have to be there. We have to put our money where our mouth is and to, to ensure that, you know, they're getting things done in those spaces. You know, y'all do a lot in your spaces. So, so Kate, go ahead and tell us, you know, all the listeners out there, you know, what is your current role and like exactly what does a day-to-day operation look like for you? Okay. Uh, I'm an instructional technology consultant. So I work at Macomb ISD, as Carl mentioned. We support about 22 school districts across Macomb County. So you're looking at about 130,000 students, 10,000 teachers. Wow. Uh, each of the districts do it a little differently. So like we have Google schools, we have Microsoft schools. Uh, we provide platforms countywide like Discovery Education and Schoology. Uh, but at the end of the day, every school kind of operates as its own local entity with its own unique things that are going on. Uh, and we do PD for them. So um, they choose to work with us and we're grateful to have that opportunity to work with them. It can be face-to-face, it can be virtual. Uh, we also help them make decisions in terms of like what tech they might implement in schools, but they come to us just looking for guidance. Uh, and it's a partnership between us and the districts. And my main role is usually our learning management system. So I do quite a bit with Schoology, uh, helping districts implement that district-wide, especially since COVID. Jen, what do you want to add anything to add to that? Like what, anything you missing there in terms of, it sounds like you guys cover a lot of space. 
We do. Um, I'm the lead on the discovery education um, learning experience. Um, and we do, we tag team a lot of things. I do the follow destiny library piece. Um, we do do the, a lot of the PD for them, but there's a couple of things that we do countywide that are kind of innovative. I think um, we've got a Macomb, um, Macomb Academy, which is a blended learning academy that we run. It's a two-year cohort model. And we, you know, we were doing that. We're in our 10th year of doing that. So, you know, we were blended before blended was cool <laughs> trying to get our teachers. And it's funny, we got a lot of great feedback about how those teachers felt so empowered. And so they could hit the ground running with their Schoology implementation and their use of their, you know, their Google or their Microsoft because they had lived through that with us. Um, so we're pretty proud of that. And we also do a coaching network. We've got a ILC and coaching network that are instructional tech coaches who really felt like they were um, the tech help desk during the pandemic um, now are being more empowered now that we're post pandemic to get into classrooms and do more cool stuff because God forbid we return to death by worksheet. We want those teachers to, you know, keep, keep moving the technology needle forward. So those are a couple of the initiatives that, that we also do in our department. So, so with that, you, you brought up something that was really interesting and it seems very challenging with every school having the autonomy to kind of do their own thing, being able to support that many. Like, how do you manage that? Because uh, I, I know there's a lot of folks out there who may be in similar situations where schools have a lot of control and kind of have different platforms, different resources. So how do you how do you manage those different initiatives across a, a school district? Jen, you want to take it or you want me well, to? <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking to kind of tag team on the success of that coaching network, because if it wasn't for our coaches in our, in our, each of our districts, kind of giving us the feed or letting us know what the needs are. I mean, you can't be a master of everything because technology is changing so rapidly. Uh, every time you, you know, every Friday or Monday, you get new implementation notes or new cliff notes for the software. You can't be an expert, but you have to, you have to be broad enough that you can at least at least go this deep, not a mile, but at least this deep to get people on a level playing field. So we aren't experts, but we do provide expertise. And if we don't know the answer, we sure, certainly can call someone. So yeah, that's was my thought too. We kind of are great at bringing the right people to the room. Uh, so we have these monthly meetings and they can vary, but like there's a data group that meets and these are all like your data leaders in the county. And then we have an iTech meeting that's monthly where you have all your tech leaders in the county. Uh, and I can't really speak to what it was like before, but since I've been in the role and that was, I got hired right before COVID, uh, I just feel like teachers and leaders more than ever are coming together to find out what they're doing in other districts. So there's a lot of crosstalk between districts just to get a feel for what others are doing. It seems to me like since COVID, there's more collaboration than ever where they're just interested to see how others are doing it and they're collaborating more. Jen could speak more to that. I don't know what it was like before, but that's well, at least what I've noticed since COVID. I'm in my fourth intermediate school district, which is in Michigan. It's a county. It's a county technology position. And, you know, I really felt like, and I've been here 15 years, I really feel like I live on Fantasy Island because when, when Kate talks about these county tech directors, they do work together. They, you know, our monthly meeting, they're like, hey, Google schools, what do you got for this? Or, hey, Microsoft schools, what do you got for this? Or even with the AI conversation, we had a couple of the guys that were already digging in and they brought it to the tech director. Okay. As a county or as a local district, how are you guys uh, 
embracing this, hitting it head on? What are some resources we can share? So it's that collaboration that I feel like I'm on Fantasy Island where they're supporting each other. And I know it's not like that everywhere else because I've I've seen what it is in places where, you know, every unique district wants to have their own dog and pony show. And But here, you know, it's that collaboration piece that I think is pretty important, pretty great about Macomb. I'm going to say, Adam, that's the first Fantasy Island reference we've ever had on the show. So I'm just I'm kind of excited. <laughs> Love that show. The plane, the plane, Mr. Rourke. Uh, well, you hit on AI there for a second. So I want to ask both of you this question because we're contractually obligated to mention on every single podcast now that word AI. So <laughs> check the box, Adam. Yes. We did it again. Um, AI in general, your, your, your overall thoughts. Uh, Kate, we'll go with you on this. Just like where, where, are, we, where are we at? in terms of the learning journey of generative AI specifically, where do you think your schools are headed? Uh, I'd love to hear your, your viewpoint on it. Yeah. So I think when it first came out, one of the initial, you know, like jerk reactions to it was to block it. Uh, I think schools are more open to like developing policies than ever. Uh, in our County, I know it's open, it's not being blocked, but that wasn't the case in the beginning. And of course that's kind of sporadic. They all do it a little differently. Uh, personally, though, I recently I'm working on my doctorate, so we were digging into differentiated instruction, and I just did a little bit of research on how it might be used to differentiate instruction, which has been like historically kind of thought as time consuming. Uh, but generative AI, I thought after I took a closer look at it, could really be a great way to do that efficiently. Uh, so just thinking about how you can kind of prime the AI to come up with results that are going to help you differentiate by process, product, and platform. But like it could really be a thought partner instead of something that kind of replaces uh, the role of the teacher. And I don't know, I want to give a, sh a shout out to Amy Jackson, who is from our tech and learning gear, but she said something at our last summit about how we've kind of lost the art of teaching. But I think even if you're using generative AI to come up with like new ways to differentiate, it's still up to the educator to kind of decide how they're going to develop that content and design it and put it into practice. So you're not losing the art if you're using it as a thought partner instead of a replacement for the teacher. Jen, thoughts on that too? Well, I come at it from, I, I guess it's my library media specialist hat that I come at it with. And I'm, I really appreciate in our county how they haven't blocked it and they're starting to embrace it. And it's not, it's kind of like the origins of the internet where it was like, oh, filter the internet, keep them off there. It's bad, bad. It's the wild, wild west. And now it's like AI, oh, chat GPT, keep them off it, block it, block it. No, teach them how to use it responsibly and ethically and as a, as a learning tool embrace perplexity and embrace chat GPT. I mean, we want these tools that'll help them, you know, take their learning to the next level. And by, by blocking it or making them see it as something bad, I, I just, I can't, I can't in good conscience have that be where I'm at in my head as an educator. I want to, you know, throw those new tools out there, teach the kids how to use it and be, be a good digital citizen. There it is. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Yep, there he goes. But and that's the thing. Technology is neither good nor bad. It's it's all about the implementation and the usage. And if we can teach them to be responsible users of said technology, that will lead to, as you mentioned, you know, citizen, digital citizens that are using the tools for good. Mm -hmm. You know that they are achieving and doing more than we can even imagine. Because that's the thing. It's changing so rapidly. They'll be doing things that we can't even imagine. Uh, with this space, uh, with AI, I, just think about what's changed from November to now. It's mind blowing. Yeah. 
June to July, June to July, even I was doing a workshop in early June and I had like eight AI tools that I was showing some teachers. And then tomorrow I'm actually doing a new one. I think I'm up to 17. So I'm having to kind of trim them back like slide generators and image <laughs> generators and prompt generators and keeping them in categories, you know, you know, quiz AI generators, which of course every teacher wants, but it's, it's, it's the rapid pace of change is such an interesting thing. Yeah. Carl, well, you know, ten, I, 10 tools, your 10 tools for AI that you kicked out yeah. on your blog was really well done. You know, you got the super meme and the curapod and I've already replaced like, ten, I've already replaced like eight of them and he's an update already. Like yeah, it's, yeah, I yeah. probably every week it'll just keep going. It'll be 17 next month and then 23 the next you month know, until it's like, a good start. until we become that dreaded 50 apps in 50 minutes. Presentation. <laughs> go. And it's all come back again. Yeah, 2011 all over. Well, you know, to kind of keep up with all this stuff, you have to have your community. I mean, you, earlier, uh, Kate, I think you mentioned Amy, uh, you know, getting uh, with her at uh, Tech and Learning and sharing some ideas. So for the listeners out there, tell us how the two of you kind of connected. It, there's definitely some synergy in in the, what you guys are doing. So tell us, how did y'all get together and and, and how this relationship kind of grown as, as peers and colleagues? Wow. So this is a, <laughs> this one, we're going to take back a minute. So I was in the classroom and I was probably in like my second or third year of teaching. Uh, and my principal thought I was young and that I should be a part of this committee that was working with technology to develop this course. Well, they were using our 21 things project, which Jen was one of the original creators on, and they wanted to come into the classroom and see what it looked like in action. And I just, I, I talk about this all the time, but I remember thinking like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to let him in the door. And they came in the classroom and they were like, they offered me a job the next day. She was like, we love what you're doing. We want you to come work for us. So I was doing side work for them for a long time, just doing PD with Jen and writing curriculum. And then eventually uh, her partner retired and then the position opened up and then here we are. So it was kind I of trying to put all classroom. I toured her classroom and I said, Kate Gruno, you are a Cracker Jack. And she had no idea what I meant. Like, and Googled what a Cracker Jack was. Google, you Google searched it. I didn't know what it was. Yes. I was like, what's a Cracker was like, Jack? Is it bad? Like, so amazing. <laughs> I mean, she had, you know, she was doing all these cool teaching strategies like um, the, the rotation that you did, the one sit and the three. The yeah, three teach rotate. one, teach the group, one stay, three stray. Yeah. yeah, the one stay, three stray. The, I mean, she just was doing all this around our 21 Things for Students website. And it just was amazing. And I thought she's just this young, innovative, inspiring teacher. And so she did start doing some work on the project with us. And when my partner retired, it was just really, there's a long list of applicants, but Kate rose to the top. She was amazing. She And I love working with her. She's great. So, and that kind of, you know, that did bring us into when we, luckily she was, we were a team during the pandemic because we did see this huge transition of these teachers that I think every school district in the, in the world had the teachers that could barely check their own email in 2019. And then you had these teachers that were rock stars and they were, you know, pushing the envelope and using all this cool stuff. And here we are with 10,000 teachers in our County going, what are we going to do with these people? We, we go from tech basics to tech embedded. How do we help them help, help their kids? And so that really was where we had our, Kate likes to call it the COVID baby that we had that kind of ended up in the book that we wrote with, <laughs> you know, we took some of our favorite teaching moves and just said, how can we help these teachers scale up comfortably with technology? They don't have to be 
tech rock stars to survive and have their students have a great experience. And they don't have to be, you know, trying to entertain them with all the bells and whistles of technology. Just take something that you're really good at, some teacher move that you love, like the gallery walk. And rather than having the kids do the sticky notes on the newsprint paper, um, now you're online. So what are you going to do? Can you push the envelope and, hey, let's try Padlet or Jamboard? Or, hey, we're completely uh, high flex or we're completely hybrid today or online today. How about we use the zoom whiteboard or, you know, we use the discussion board to, you know, reply to each other and interact. So trying to get that comfortable implementation of technology is been kind of a benefit of working with Kate. And I'm really glad that she was there to, to ride out the the pandemic with me. That's a, yeah, it's a lot of different things. There are a lot of moving parts for 10,000 teachers across that county and to be able yeah. to collaborate and find, I think a, a successful team like you guys, you have to have, you have to have strengths that you play off of each other. So I'll ask this follow-up question to each of you. Kate, I want you to tell me what are Jen's strengths? And then Jen, I'm going to ask you, what are Kate's strengths? Like what are, what is the thing that like, what is the the part that she kind of fulfills that kind of helps make you guys a dynamic team? So Kate, what? go ahead, give, give us some praise here. Jen can work a room <laughs> from day one. She can Witness. work a room. She can yes. get them going. She can energize them. She's the host of the mostest. Uh, so yeah, definitely. And then also uh, me having come from the classroom and her being in the position for so much longer, she is always considering the 30,000 foot view, thinking about the different moving pieces like your you know, administrator component or your curriculum district leadership for me, there was a shift. Like I think I'm shifting more towards that 30,000 foot view now that I've been in the role for three years. But in the beginning, like I just really didn't consider the other lenses. Uh, And she's really good at reminding me of those other audiences that we need to keep in mind when we're in a role like ours working for so many districts. All right, Jen. Now, Kate. Well, I got to say, I'm going to say it again. She is an absolute crackerjack of a teacher. She has, she could shoot out a million tech tools. She's not just about the tools, though. She's about the pedagogy. So watching her implement a strategy or or make a move is really quite powerful. Um, She is a go-to resource. You know, when she came to Macomb, she she knew Schoology, but now she's on the National Schoology, you know, board. Uh, She doesn't just, like, know the tools she is got she's respected in the profession she goes the she goes deeper she researches she makes sure she knows more about what she's doing and i think she she's got the respect of everybody when she walks in a room because she she knows her stuff so i also think that she brings to me um some an opportunity to to think she'll she'll look at me and she'll say you know i'm i'm not not dismaying the idea. I'm, I'm just thinking about it. And me, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and she's like, just slow your roll. Sister. Just like, okay, take just processing. Just, she's like, I'm just processing. But yeah, it, this book, and I know we keep circling back to the book, but really, even though it was a COVID baby, it was so easy because we have such a special, not only friendship, but, you know, collegial relationship. We just, we click. So for, for that reason alone, we have been really, it's been great to work with her. It's been amazing. Dream team. I working with her. Dream team. Yeah, I liked how you were able to get that um, making move uh, in that answer there. I, I saw what you did there. I saw what you did there. She's getting good. <laughs> every time. Plug it. That's right. <laughs> 
So here's a final question that I'm going to throw to both of y'all. And we love to ask all of our guests this, this one question with everything that goes on day to day. And even as we're getting ready to start the new school year, what is something that you do to keep yourself undisrupted? Are we talking like finding our Zen personally? Or yeah. Like- yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. As long as you, as long as you don't say going to the media center as a stop room or a timeout room, <laughs> you know, or, that, or that's eating, off limits. Or eating six boxes of Cracker Jacks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy a good bag of potato chips, but uh, in my, my aging, I've, I've really taken on, I've taken to running quite a bit. So I find my happy place running. It's a, uh, was unexpected, but if I want to clear my mind, you'll find me hitting the pavement. <laughs> yep. Oh, I, I would, but the, you know those shin splints. I, I still haven't recovered <laughs> from. Um, <laughs> here's a running track. Those shin splints. This my back, back. My neck. Wait, my I'm neck and my back. Me. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, my uh, my my therapy is uh, a little retail therapy. I, I ah. Nice walk in the retail. I love I love a good Goodwill store. I love a good Salvation Army. I just think it's cool to see unique things and um, artifacts that people have decided are no longer valuable to them. And I think that would look good in my huge wall of collections of junk. <laughs> I actually not that bad. But I, she yeah, has kidnapped order, me. But- yeah, she has kidnapped me a time or two to hit up all of the Salvation Armies from like all across Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I just love it. And I don't usually walk out with anything anymore, but it's just fun to see. It's almost like a walk through time. Yeah. Mm. So I just, I, so, that, so do you do that also when you travel to an event? So, you know, I know you're at Philly for yeah. ISTE. Did you, did you do, did you do it in Philly? I hit two. Yep. I hit two. I hit Goodwill, and there was a really good um, St. Vincent de Paul. Ooh, those are good. Uh-huh. Yeah, they got some good furniture in there. Well, and I know Kate was also running at while she's at the at conference too, because I think you you went out running one day at, when it was raining, <laughs> so in Philly, which is like most days we were there. Um, mm. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us, guys. Check out the book. It's called Making the Move with EdTech. It's 10 Strategies to Scale Up Your In-Person Hybrid and Remote Learning. Available on Amazon and also through Solution Tree, uh, their publisher. Uh, We'll make sure we drop a note in the show notes here. So I want to thank you for joining us, Jen and Kate. And for our listeners out there, be sure to subscribe. Give us a review. We'd maybe, uh, and we'd even appreciate it if you give us a shout out on the actual podcast channels, whether it be Stitcher or Spotify or whatever you're doing. We'll find it and we'll give you a shout out on a future show. This has been the Undisrupted Podcast, brought to you by Alfred. He's Adam, and you can follow him at uh, AskAdam3 on X, not Twitter. <laughs> Still have such a hard time saying that. I can't say you know, it. My app, yeah, my app icon has changed now. I'm like, what is this? this What's happening? Like, I don't, I don't know what this is. Yeah, but I digress. And he's Carl, and you can follow him at Mr. Hooker. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, we are better together. And we are better... Undisrupted. Undisrupted.